Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibu First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This week, more on the Gross Morn Indigenous Cultural Festival. There was quite a bit of feedback after last week's episode. One listener said she really liked Mi'kmaq Matters until that episode. As you'll hear in this week's show, the event planned by the Halibu Cultural Foundation in association with Parks Canada is very contentious. The reaction is partly to do with the event itself. In particular, the involvement of the federal government via Parks Canada with the wounds of the enrollment exercise still raw. But there's more to it than that. The Grossmore controversy has surfaced unresolved tensions in the band, geographic and political, between the Bay St. George and the Cornerbrook components of the band in particular, and it's exposed the chasm between the official Halibut organization and those who fear that the band office in Cornerbrook is trying to crowd out the community bands that kept the Mi'kmaq identity alive for 60 years. But let's recap what sparked this bitter dispute. Here's Sherry Dean, chair of the Cultural Foundation, on last week's show, describing what's planned for a cow head from August 4th to the 6th. On day one, you you get lots of teachings. You get uh, teachings about how to prepare for a sweat lodge ceremony, for example. And then, after you've had the teachings, you have the opportunity to attend a sweat lodge. On day one, you get to learn some steps to a dance. And on day two, during the mini powwow, you can actually dance in the arbor if you choose to do that once you've learned some dance steps. So this three-day celebration has a component of teachings, which we think are so important to give anyone who's interested, anyone, I don't care what color, what age you are, it's a family-oriented event, and it, it Everyone is welcome to just see what Indigenous culture is like. The event was a political hot potato even before it was publicly announced. At the Halibut Council meeting in Grand Falls at the end of April, three of the council members spoke in opposition to the event. There had also been resignations from the Cultural Foundation Board. One of those who resigned from the board was Arlene White. It was also a member of the band council representing St. George's Ward. She has announced on Facebook that she will not be attending the festival. For the record, I reached out to Arlene White, but she did not reply to me. Arlene White also raised an issue that has been a hot topic on Facebook, the location of the event in Cowhead. Here's one comment from Facebook. Adding insult to injury, this Indigenous Cultural Festival is being held on the Northern Peninsula. Apparently... Every Halapu member in Cowhead has lost their status, yet we're having a festival there? I talked to the mayor of Cowhead, Rufus Payne, and he said he too was surprised to hear about the event. He thinks he should have been given a heads up. Mayor Payne tells me that a meeting of the town council has been scheduled for May 24th. He says the meeting was requested by Mildred Lavers. Mildred Lavers is a director of the Newfoundland Aboriginal Women's Network and lives a little farther up the coast in Port Saunders. I contacted Mildred Lavers to discuss the meeting, but she declined to speak with me. She has been a critic of the event on Facebook. 
There have also been suggestions on Facebook that those in Cowhead and elsewhere who were denied status should picket the cultural festival. My culture is not some effing dog and pony show celebrating 150 years of oppression. It's an exploitation of my culture. And if they want to draw a real big crowd, it will be a great day for those rejected to demonstrate. But there's more to this story than enrollment. We have several interwoven threads. One of them is a culture story. We have a cultural revival on the go at the moment. And that's a good thing. But who gets to decide what is authentic Mi'kmaq culture? And should we be importing people from Nova Scotia to tell us who we are as Newfoundland Mi'kmaq people? The participation of such Mi'kmaq imports at the Gorsborn event was one point of contention. It wasn't so long ago that our Mi'kmaq cousins across the water were finding out their own culture, and now they presume to tell us about our cultural past? That's one of the cultural threads in this story. The other is the place of Bay St. George in our Newfoundland cultural landscape. The strategic plan of the Halibut Mi'kmaq First Nation calls for Bay St. George to be established as the cultural headquarters for the band. Some backers of the Grossmorn event says the backlash against it is sour grapes on the part of Bay St. George band members who want to control cultural programming and perhaps the band itself. There are real doubts now about whether the Grossborn Indigenous Cultural Festival will actually take place, the reaction to it being what it is. The next few weeks will tell the tale. But what are the larger implications for the Halibut Mi'kmaq First Nation and the Mi'kmaq people of Western and Central Newfoundland? The Grossborn controversy has exposed how many divisions there are between us. The status-non-status situation is one such divide. After the enrollment process plays out, we'll have some people with a plastic card and some who will not. There was a hope that culture could bridge that divide. Events open to all, regardless of status, could bring us all together. But culture, as we see, has its contentious aspects also. Then there's the Halibut Band itself and its relationship to Mi'kmaq people active at the grassroots level. 
It is those people who are the soul of Mi'kmaq life. They volunteer their time, go to the meetings, take an interest in what's going on. They look more to their local organizations than to the Halibut Band itself, which feels remote in its official headquarters in Cornerbrook, far removed politically and geographically from what's going on on the ground. It may be true, as some frustrated counselors say, that those who have raised a ruckus are the usual suspects making a fuss on Facebook. But those are the people who care the most, and members of the band council must engage in a discussion with them, whether they want to or not. Like most hunter-gatherer peoples, the Bingma had shamans, religious specialists, who lived among them. These individuals had the power to cure ills and to cause them, and they were relied on to interpret the spiritual world to the people. Although Christian missionaries tried to discredit them and the worldview they represented, many traditional beliefs and practices persisted, some down to the present day. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Facebook readings by Ian Warford. In This World by Medicine Dream, used with permission. Thanks to Halibut artist Marcus Goss for the use of Celebration Time. Check us out online, migma-matters.blogspot.ca. Follow us on Twitter, listen on SoundCloud, or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.